Hi, this is Regeline Sabah, also known as Gigi. You're listening to Walk With Me Podcast. My guest today is J.R. Spear. J.R. Spear is the CEO and founder of Fit Pro Funnels, and he helps coaches grow their business online. J.R. is also a U.S. Navy and Marine veteran, husband, father, and friend. Welcome to the show, J.R. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's an honor to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us about you and where you're from? Oh man, so this is this could take a, a long time if you want to know my whole story, but I'll uh, I'll kind of start a little bit about backtracking where I'm at now. So I live in Northern Virginia, right outside of DC. I am married, been married to my wife for about 11 years now. We have three amazing children: a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a three-week-year-old little girl. Um, as of this Sunday, um, so I, I'm actually I love being a father. I love being a family, and been been with my wife for about 16 years. So. Our first date was actually in the Marine Corps Ball in 2004, on uh, so which is November 12th. So that's me as a family man. You know, I'm a Christian. I'm passionate about my faith and who I am and what I do, and I try to live out my life as such for that. Um, kind of going in my backstory, so you kind of know the beginning is I grew up in a in a martial arts school. I came out of my mom kicking. She always had a family owned business, and uh, with that, you know, I have four sisters of my own. We all grew up in the martial arts school, so we learned a lot about the character traits of and the discipline of uh, character, respect, all those different things. Been teaching since I was 13 years old, leading, being this young kid, leading a group full of adults in the martial arts, and was and had the opportunity to be able to travel across the U.S. competing on a national level. I loved it. it. Identified who I was. It was my life. I would actually go to school all day, then come come home from school, go straight to the martial arts school, and be there until you know 9, 10 p.m. every single night, six days a week. And uh, yeah, it was, and that's kind of like my childhood. And then right out of high school, went into the military. And uh, that's a that's another topic and story. I don't know if you want me to lead into my history and my experience in the military now, uh, or how, how do you want me to kind of go about that? Yes, definitely. Go ahead and tell us more about your experience as a U.S. Navy and Marine veteran. Yeah, so I went into the Navy um, right out of high school, and it's actually a crazy story of how I got in there. So even though I grew up in a very disciplined and structured family and in the martial arts school, I, I went through a rebellious stage, like almost like all of us teenagers do, but went through a rebellious stage, hanging out with the wrong people. And uh, I had this mentality as a kid. Um, I, I don't know when it started, maybe when I was like 15, where I was like, you know what, God will forgive me later. And I, I, I was pretty strong in my faith at that time, but I was like, you know, I'm going to hang around the wrong crowd. I was getting doing stupid stuff. And I always said, you know, I can, I can do this now and just ask for forgiveness later and then God will forgive me. And did that for a while. It just it led me into a lot of trouble. I was always getting in trouble with the law. I, I can't say I went to prison, but I went to went to jail for like in holding cells. You know, you get in trouble, and then they take you, and you gotta get a bond to get out. But that was like police officers knew me by first name basis, so it was pretty bad. I would get a ticket, I'll get in trouble, and I just never did, dealt with it and did anything, and uh, with it. And then, you know, one time the, I I had a lot of tickets that I had to be able to pay for. I had other court things I had to pay for, and just had no money. So my my grandmother who was very influential in my life. My mom was a single mom with five kids. So life was a little bit crazy, but my grandmother, my grandfather helped raise us. And I lost my license every time. So I couldn't drive. My car was broken down, didn't have money to fix it. And she came over one morning, I skipped school and I was like, Hey grandma, can you take me to different pawn shops so I can pawn off some of my items to get some money to pay off some of this stuff. And she was like, yeah, sure. Let's go get in the car. So I got in the car, she's driving down the road and she pulls into a plaza and uh, right in front of me was the recruiter's office. And I was like, you know, what are we doing here? She goes, well, you get your butt in there. You're not, you're not coming out to you sign for a branch of the service. 
And so that was, she was actually the person that kind of encouraged and pushed me to sign up for the military. And I, my, my grandfather was retired Navy. My uncle was uh, in the Marine Corps for a while. My dad was in the army, but for whatever reason, I just never wanted to go army, never wanted to do air force. It was either going to be Marine Corps or Navy. And uh, at that time, I think I was about 17 when I signed up for the service and I'm sitting in front of this recruiter's office to my grandmother. And I was like, well, I don't want to go to the Marine Corps because they work too hard. And so I was like, the Navy seems a little bit easier. I'll go there. And I decided to go that path. So I walked in there, signed up for the Navy. I was 17. So I was still a junior in high school at the time. So I had about a year. They called it the debt program where you go through different training and stuff like that. And it was through that transition from the time I signed up until the day that I left where I rededicated my life to Christ. And literally the Holy Spirit took control of my life. And I was a completely different person. And I was telling a story on, on another podcast I was on recently that I never forget the day. It was like I dedicated my life to Christ at church. The Holy Spirit took my heart, really changed me. And then I showed up to school on Monday. I go and sit in choir class and the kid next to me, I said hi to him and uh, just kind of, you know, just starting conversation. And he jumped. He jumped back and was like, what the heck are you doing? You're talking to me. And it was at that moment I didn't realize how much of a bully I might have been. Or how much, how mean that I was towards people. And when you're living in hate and when you're living in a life of sin, I don't think you even realize it because it just becomes of who you are. And I didn't realize that I was that way. And just kind of showing genuine and being nice and wanting to start a conversation with them, it was kind of a wake up call for me then. I was like, man, I must have been really bad. But, you know, God literally transformed my life overnight on that part. So I went in the Navy right out of high school when I finished that and didn't want to do anything with the Marine Corps. And uh, I think I signed up as an aviation boats man handler was, or fuel man or whatever you want to call it. I have no clue what it was. But when I went into boot camp, I found about this job of being an RP. So I was a religious program specialist. My main job in a combat situation was provide security for the chaplain. So chaplains are non-combatants. They can't carry weapons. So they used to have a Marine with them. But then they had this specific job that, that, you know, that was dedicated to them. We provided administrative duties. And plus we did all the, uh, you know, provide security for them. But as an RP, you could do multiple different things. You can go on the Marine Corps side. You can go uh, be on a ship. You can be in a hospital. You can do a ton of different stuff to provide support for the chaplain. So here I signed up for the Navy. And then I ended up switching my job as an RP um, while I was in the boot camp. And the humor that I like to say is like, I didn't want to go to the Marine Corps because they were too hard. But right out of boot camp, I ended up spending my entire time with the Marines. So I went from Navy boot camp to like a modified Marine combat train just to learn how to play Marine, camp out on the ground, shoot the weapons, all that fun stuff. And then spend my whole time with the, with the Marine Corps. My first duty station was Quantico, Virginia, which is where I live now. I'm, I'm like literally a couple exits. My wife is from Fairfax, Virginia. And so we met out this area and uh, ended up coming back here from St. Louis, which St. Louis is my original hometown town. And then, um, then I deployed into Iraq with uh, second time, fourth Marines in 2006 and spent nine months over there. And uh, this kind of leads into almost like the story and topic for anyone that's an entrepreneur and stuff like that is if you're a business owner you and you want to find a model that can really help you guys excel and grow your business, look at the model and the system of the Marine Corps because the Marine Corps is the best business out there. And people don't look at the military or the Marine Corps as a business. They see it as just boots on the ground or out there shooting weapons or fighting war. But truly, it is like the best business model you can imagine. And the reason why is because they have a system for every system. Everything that they do, there's something laid out for it. And it doesn't matter if you're branded going in as a PFC or you're a second lieutenant and you get travel and you go from California to Okinawa to Europe or wherever you're stationed at. Everyone knows their place and their duties and what they need to do. Everyone's done it, do it, does it the same way. Yes, there may be a couple different things here and there based off the command that you're at, but everyone knows what to do, what their job is, what 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 they need to do to take place, and how to get the mission done. 
So if they're looking as for a good business model, the Marine Corps is like the best place when it comes to really describing it. So one thing I love telling about, and it was actually really hard for me to, to share this for a long time, is you know on February 7, 2007, my life completely changed. And it changed from one event. And that one event was I was blown up by a suicide bomber at a walking checkpoint. So me and the chaplain, we were down at a walking checkpoint in uh, in Iraq. And since a lot of your audience are Christians, they may appreciate this. Where the walking checkpoint was is right on the Euphrates and Tigris River, where Father Abraham would be walking up and down. So it was kind of cool being in that historic place in that same area. But it was a walking checkpoint. So we searched everyone that came in and out of the city. And me and the chaplain was down there um, being with some, providing some moral support, being with a bunch of the Marines and sailors down there, and even communicating and socializing with a lot of the locals. And I was in one spot for the longest time uh, talking like in an intersection where people, where I could see people going in and out. We had an opening and I was there with another Marine just talking to him. I was probably there for about 30 to 45 minutes. And I don't know about you, but if you ever been in a situation where you just felt like the Holy Spirit just prompted you saying, Hey, move and do something. Yeah. And it it can happen so much in your life, but this would, this be when it made me really think about what back in the days of the Bible, where people would say like, there's an audible voice of God telling you to do something. Or you get this feeling like I felt this it wasn't almost like an audible voice, but almost a like someone shouting at me, but almost to the point where if I wasn't going to move, I felt nauseous. And I'll never forget that feeling that I had inside where my stomach was like, oh, man, I, I'm like, feel like I'm going to throw up for no reason. I felt completely fine. But at that moment, I felt like I was going to throw up. And I was like, OK, let me just go check on the chaplain, see what's going on, making sure he's OK. He was around a corner talking to another Marine. And uh, so I decided to move, go around a corner. My sergeant major ended up walking right past me. We gave our greeting because, you know, enlisted personnel always greets in the Marine Corps. We always greet our senior personnel. Um, so I give my greeting to him, looks down at me, says RP with uh, his very deep, deep voice. Never forget his voice. His name was uh, you know, um, Sergeant Major Ellis. And it was literally as we crossed paths, I get over to one section. I see where the chaplain is. He was almost right where I was at. And then the guy killed himself. He lifted his arms, shot a C4 and ended up killing my Sergeant Major that I just walked right by. And that Marine that I was standing next to lost both of his legs. He's still living, thriving, lives in Pennsylvania right now and, and doing really well for himself. But his life has changed. He has no legs, other injuries and stuff like that. We lost a female Marine, uh, our interpreter, um, Jimmy, and, and a bunch of those. So it was it was the if you can take that big image of like a movie of a wartime, this would this whole event can turn into a massive movie because you're seeing Marines that after this event takes place. And this is where the power really comes in. But and I didn't recognize that at that time. But when that blast took place and all the chaos happened, I was thrown to the ground. My chaplain was trying to crawl. He was barely moving. I grabbed him by his flak. I dragged him on the ground for about 25 to 50 yards to get under shelter because we thought it was mortars coming. We didn't know it was a suicide bombing that took place. And I was completely surrounded by angels. I mean, that, there's no doubt about it. I'm going to give you something that gives you chills here in a little bit. Um, but I was the closest one to the blast. And I only had maybe a speck of blood on the back of my flak. That's it. My chaplain even had body parts of other people. There was tw- there was the the guy's head, body parts, legs, arms, anything you can imagine. It was all over the place. And I paint this image for you just so you can see how 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 horrible this event actually was. But I want to explain like the power of how God watched over me and His purpose and reason for me that I'm still trying to figure out today. And uh, I'll, I'll explain that here in a second. But when that when that, all that stuff took place, seeing everyone move and do and respond the way that they did was absolutely phenomenal. All the Marines went out that that knew that needed to be out there, went out and patrolled the city to see if there was other danger. 
Helicopters are coming in, smoke everywhere to evacuate the injured to get them out. Corpsmen were over other people injured, trying to get them going. Um, you know, everyone knew their place, what they're going to do, you know, being able to, you know, whatever their job was be, they, they knew exactly what they do, how to respond. And it came from the constant training that they needed to do. And, you know, I, I want to go, I'm going to go forward a little while and then I'm going to come back to the situation. But when I came back from Iraq and, and just so you know, I did get injured in my arm. I don't have full rotation on my arm without pain. I live with pain 24 seven. And I like I even got ringing in my ears still 24 seven. I had suffers from traumatic brain injury and a bunch of things, but got on my limbs. So I can't say I was 100 percent safe. But when I came back from Iraq, my mom had asked me because she, she didn't know the situation. We're not allowed to say anything or, or what's going on, especially while we're there just for the safety and protection of us. But when I came back, she was like, you know, I was at church at an event around this time. And there was a guest speaker and he was praying over me. And he asked me a saying, is your son over in combat? And she was like, oh, yeah, he's over in Iraq right now and all this stuff and saying, well, something bad is really getting, is getting ready to happen to him. There's going to be a really tragic event. Something's going to happen to him. But I want to I want to give you some peace to know that he's going to be surrounded by a thousand angels. There's He's not going to be harmed. He's going to be protected. And she knew nothing about the situation that happened. She's telling me this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that like I, I literally memorized and prayed Psalm 91. Every day, every time I got on a Humvee, every time I went out there, and I don't know if you know the scripture of Psalm 91, but Psalm 91, you know, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come, shall not touch you. And mm -hmm. I pray that I memorized that entire scripture. I mean, it was, it's pretty long. And every time I got on a Humvee and I was going somewhere, I make sure I memorized that. But when she told me that, I was like, that is crazy because that's the only way that I knew that God was able, to, that I was protected because God and the Holy Spirit have watched over me from that one event and I was not touched. And my chaplain even had body parts on his flak and on his clothes and blood on his clothes from other things. And I didn't have anything. I was completely untouched and I was, uh, you know, completely fine and stuff like that. So that when I, when I heard that it, it totally gave me chills. It told me, it's like, man, you know, there, there's a purpose. There's a bigger reason why God kept me here and what I'm doing. And I'm, and it took, so that happened February 7th of 07. I didn't really start sharing this story and this message until probably January this year. So think about how many years later it took me to be able to do it. And a lot of it was just just not feeling worthy enough to because here I am alive and have a voice to be able to share. While I had other comrades and other people that I served with that didn't didn't live and make it out um, and be able to share the story as well. So I just never really felt worthy enough or, um, you know, to be able to share this this story. And when I look back at it and I, I think about the story itself of it's not necessarily a suicide bombing that that's the most significant part. But when I think about that whole situation, like the way that everyone react to it, Marines are trained to, to move and to move fast and to react and be responsive based off any situation. And we train and we train hard for one day. That training can be six months. It can be 12 months. It can be 24 months. It can be four years. But we train hard for that one day, for that what if. So for that one day that may come when you're being ambushed and where you may get hurt, you have to know how to respond and how to react to it. And if you don't do that training for and build that muscle memory and really just recognize, hey, if this happens, we do this. If this happens, we do this. And we train every scenario that you can imagine. Why do we get on going on long mile hikes? So our bodies are conditioned to be able to carry that heavy load. Why do we need to be physically fit so we can do all these different things? Why do we practice going into a fake city that looks like Iraq with other actors to show us so that way we can be exposed and know what could happen? Every scenario that you can imagine that we might be able to come against, we have trained and prepared for. And this was not a surprise to us. Yes, it was an ambush and we were surprised at the actual event itself, but we knew how to react and how to respond accordingly 
because of the training that we did. And this goes to an acronym that I created. And I, impl uh, I implement this acronym into my daily life and in my teaching for all my coaching clients. And it's called ICE. So ICE is an acronym that I created where first uh, the I is identify your threats. You and your business and in your life, it doesn't matter if in your personal life or in your professional life, you need to identify your threats. But what are your threats? People may think I don't have any threats in my life. No one's going to come hurt me. But a threat doesn't need to necessarily be someone that comes and hurts you. A threat can be anything that throws you off balance in your life. What are those different things that you're going to be ambushed? It could be someone getting sick. It could be someone getting a car accident. It could be the possibility or knowing that when a client cancels with you or when someone's going to come and you know, you know, hurt your family in some way, or maybe you don't have the money for your bills. What are the different situations that's going to throw you out of balance that you may not be prepared for? And just you need to understand that it's not if it's going to happen, it's when it's going to happen. But you need to identify what those potential threats are. When you identify what those potential threats are, now you got to create a plan to make sure that you're prepared for that. So just like the military, when we had to do all that training to make sure we're preparing for that one day, you have to do the same thing, whether it's in your personal life or in your business, if you're running a trying to build your own empire, your tribe, whatever it may be. I don't care if you're doing online coaching or if you're doing in-person coaching, whatever it is, you have to make sure that you identify other potential threats that are going to come because they will come. We are going to have bad days. We are going to have clients that are going to quit. We are going to have someone that's get sick. We are going to have death in our family. We are going to die. We're going to get hurt. There's, it's just inevitable. We're all, we're all going to have something that has, that happens to us. We're going to be ambushed and we're going to have something that comes against us. That's going to throw us off balance. And those, anything that throws you off balance, I call that your ambush. So it doesn't mean about you getting hurt or getting a car accident or having someone come and uh, as a suicide bomber trying to kill you and take your life. It's anything that throws you off balance. So identify what those are first. Now create a plan of knowing what do I have to do to prepare for this? What is that plan that you got to do to make sure that you prepare for it? You got to prepare financially, emotionally, whatever it may be, physically, that you are prepared that if this or when this happens, that you are prepared to make sure that you are able to respond and you've got that muscle memory built in that you're able to react off of it without being responsive and emotional about the situation that happens. Because a lot of people can definitely make a situation better if they just learn how to control their emotions, the way they respond. And I, I did, I interviewed this, uh, you know, this guy named Chris on my podcast. He's a, a marriage counselor, a Christian marriage counselor for, uh, for men uh, and women. So like his wife does speaks to the women, they do it together. But on the podcast, he, he, he ended it with something so powerful that I've heard it before, but it didn't really resonate until he said it. And he says, the way you respond is everything. And he was, he was referring to it in a marriage or a relationship in a way, because we were talking about like, you know, make having your relationship better with your, your spouse and different things. And, you know, for men, we just want to react emotionally and, and what what sets us off right there. And we don't really think about how it's going to affect it. But truthfully, it's the way that you respond to it. Same thing in your business. You know, the way that you respond to your clients, the way that you respond to a situation in your business is going to be everything. So same thing when, when you're identifying your threats and you're creating that plan, we got to make sure that we're emotionally intact, that we're able to respond appropriately so that way we have the muscle memory and that way things don't go in chaos. So we don't want to always live in survival mode. We want to make sure that we're prepared for when those days come, for when those times that we're ambushed actually comes because they will come. And then you got to execute that mission. So when you identify those threats, you create that plan. Now you got to execute that plan that you have put in place and you need to train and you need to train hard and you need to do it every single day. Let's just take example for sales calls. If you're looking to build your business and you want to get better at sales, how do you get better at sales? You got to do more sales because sales is a muscle memory that you got to build over time. If you stop, if you do really well at sales right now and you get a lot of sales calls and you stop doing it for a period of time, it, you're going to be, you're going to stumble a little bit when you try to come back until you build that muscle memory again. 
So it's it's focusing on the things that you need to get really good at or outsource it to other people that, that are better than you that. So that's ICE. Identify your threats, create that plan, execute that mission. And the other thing that I, I mean, I'm all about acronyms. Marine Corps, we like to have, have small words to help us remember everything. So that way it simplifies life. So ICE is one acronym that makes me remember all those different things. And then there's another acronym that I created called CREED. So CREED in itself stands for your daily belief. And it's an acronym that I created that stands for commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline. And it is my ethos for my personal life. It is my ethos for my professional life. I've created it as a logo on my phone. So every time I open my phone, it's a logo that has it right there. It's the daily creed. So that way I'm reminded what my commitments are. For your C, we need to make sure that we are we're constantly being driven of where we're going to go. You have to know your destination. You got to have a vision. You got to know where you want to go if you want to get anywhere in life. And even if you're not an entrepreneur and you're just someone that's a, an amazing employee that loves your job and where you where what you do, in your personal life, you have to know where you want to go with your family. You have to know where you want to go and professionally because if not, you're just not going to be driven. And you got to know where what what you want to achieve. It's like driving from California to Virginia with no roadmap or no plan to get there. You're you're going to it looks like on a map that it's a straight line, but if you try to go in a straight line, you're going to hit some mountains. You're going to hit some roadblocks. You got to have a plan to know how to get there. So your C is your commitment. What are the things that you are going to commit to and you're going to stick to no matter what? And you don't lower those standards either. So for all of my clients, I make them uh, get a daily creed journal. Um, I don't know where mine's at. It's on my desk somewhere. But anyways, it's a black journal that I have, but it doesn't need to be black. It just be a notebook. It'd be anything you want. But get a daily creed journal. And on there, you need to be keep everything top of mind. And it goes back to ICE. You know, what are those threats? What are the things you want to commit to? All this different stuff. But keep it at top of mind. In that daily creed journal, I always put the date and I write it every single day. I put that date. I put my daily creed and I put a bullet points of all the things that I wanted to commit to. And I don't lower my standards. Are you a fan of Grant Cardone by chance? Yes, sir. Okay. So Grant Cardone, if you listen to any of his books and what he talks about, there's one saying that he says all the time. And it says, feed the beast and starve the doubt. And this is what really uh, had pushed me to really think about this. And I was like, Man, that's super powerful because he talks about the story where he keeps a legal pad by him and all the things that he wants to do. He writes that in there every single day. That way it's in front of his mind. He knows exactly what he's chasing after. He knows exactly what he wants and he doesn't let anything get in the way of doing it. We can say and know what our vision is and have a vision board and look at it all the time. But there's something different when you're writing it down every single day and knowing what you want to commit to. So put it in your, your daily creed journal. Write those things down and visually look at it, but visually write it down and say it as you're doing it. So that way you are not lowering your standards for it. And I want to talk about standards too, is say one of your daily creeds is to read your for next month is to reach $10,000 in sales for that next month. Or you want to bring home $10,000. Well, look, for whatever reason, you only hit 5,000 in this month. And so since you hit 5,000, you made your goal for the next month to be, um, you know what? I only hit 5,000. I think I'm going to hit 5,000 next month for that. What did you just do? You just lowered your standard. And if you lowered your standard on one thing, you're going to start lowering your standard on everything else in the way that you conduct your life in every aspect that you do. So you want to make sure that in your daily creed journal, you see your commitments, you focus on those commitments, and you're looking at them, and you don't lower that standard, and you keep chasing it. So so figure out what that dollar amount is that you want to get to. Figure out how many podcasts that you want to get to. Figure out what, whatever that vision is that you want to do. So like for me, example, my first thing that I put on my daily creed all the time is I am committed to my wife. That And even though it sounds very basic is I want to be mindful that I need to do my best to try to treat her with with love. And because that's not always easy when you've been with someone for a long time. We know it's not always an easy thing to do. But I put that on there. I put down my second creed that I want to lead my family. 
So I want to lead my kids to Christ. I want to lead my, my family to Christ and make sure that's mindful that I'm doing something to try to teach them and help them grow. But before you can lead them, you got to lead yourself. So that's one of mine too, is I got to lead myself and making sure that I'm staying properly healthy, that I'm staying mentally healthy and emotionally healthy as well. And then another one is I never want to be a W-2 employee. So that's another one of my creeds. Then I have my dollar amount. Then I have uh, my how many email subscribers. Then I have my uh, total sales or whatever it may be. Write those down and they could be the same thing every single day because I want to be, I want to visually see it, but I want to physically write it down and know that it's top of mind that this is what I'm chasing and why. So I know a lot of people talk about you got to know what your why is for you to be able to get somewhere. Hey, what is your why? Why do you want to do this? And I was, I've always been that way and I always preach it. And I think everyone needs to know their why. But uh, several months ago, earlier this summer, I was part of a seminar and uh, a virtual seminar. And there was a guest speaker. He's a retired Navy SEAL. His name was Yost. And he said that something that really, really resonated with me and it was super powerful. And hopefully this resonates with someone in your audience as well, is he, he said that you, it, your why sucks. And that it, you need to look further in that. And it's more your identity. What do you want people to identify you as? What do you want people to see you as, as a person, a human being, a loving father, a Christian, a uh, business person, or, you know, an athlete, a musician, um, you know, a coach? What do you want people to identify you as? And why do you want people to do it? So that why goes underneath it. But the bigger picture is the identity. What do you want people to identify you as? They want to see you as this hard person that's not really approachable and really tough and thick skin. That's very direct and, and hard to get along with. Or they want to, they, you want people to see you as this humble, loving person that's a Christian, easy to work with. Uh, you know, and I can know I can talk to them about anything. Whatever you want to, not saying anything's wrong, but think about what you want the identity of yourself to be and that why that's going to drive you with that. So for your daily creed journal, figure out what those commitments are. And then the R is that resilience. So you figure out the commitments and then resilience. It's not the matter of knowing that everything is going to be easy, but it's learning to be resilient and pushing through knowing that the, you're going to have tough days. So you're going to be stay through the things you're committed, being resilient, even through those tough, tough days, but also showing up and giving excellence all the time. Don't it, it's, it's almost like you teaching your kid. But some reason, as an adult, we forget. Do the right thing. Give your best. Even when no one's watching you, you know, just because mommy and daddy aren't there, you know, it doesn't mean that you can still go do it. It's the same thing. But we forget that as adults where we want to skip corners and try to take the easy way out. But give your best on every aspect that you do. If you're on a sales call, if you're doing a podcast interview like this, if it doesn't matter what you do, give your best all the time, even when no one's watching, because that's what's going to help, you know, set the stance for you. And if you give your best on one thing, you're going to give your best at the other thing and you're going to keep leveling up in life. Even if you're not building your own business, we should always be moving moving upward and forward, not necessarily just plateauing down. Okay. That's all. Now, I do have a question for you. What yeah. change do you wish to see in the world? What changes do I wish to see in the world? Yes, so, yeah. So th this, uh, this is a funny story. Gosh, you're asking me uh, questions that is like right there for me. And the reason why I say it's funny is because, um, you know, I always knew what my vision was for my business and, and what I want to do and with my coaching stuff. And it, it's always been made, you know, helping as many coaches make a bigger impact. But I was this it was, this all happened. It was I think it was last week. So I was dropping my kid off at preschool and his preschool is in our the same place where we go to church. So at our church is where his preschool is at. And we're standing in line because with the covid, we have to go through a line and they take your temp to make sure he's not sick and stuff like that. And on the wall was the vision of my church. And uh, the vision of the of our church is for one more. And for me, when I saw that, I was like, that's it. That's the same vision of my business and what I want to do for my coaches. And I was like, okay, do I steal that and use it? But I'm like, well, it's a completely different industry and stuff like that. 
And ideally, that is what I want to do. It's for one more, for one more person that I can help grow their business, help another coach really excel, make them better so they can make a bigger impact in the world. And if we can, if I can help one more person make an impact on, on other people, then ultimately we're making a bigger impact on the world together. So that's that's kind of like what my mission is and what what I see and what the, the impact that I want to do. So I want to help coaches pretty much gain more authority online, teach them how to have clarity on their messaging, their programs, their offers, because if they have the clarity and confidence on their their messaging and what they're offering and what they're presenting, well, then they're going to be unstoppable and they're going to be able to have more authentic. They're going to have more credibility whenever they're trying to sell something. So anything that you're trying to sell, anything you want to do, you got to have that clarity on it first before you can go out there and do it. And I always tell everyone that with uh, clarity comes more confidence. So you got to gain that clarity first to get more confidence. But for me, what I what I plan on uh, making a difference is for one more. If I can get out there and help one more person make a bigger impact, then we're making a, a bigger impact on the world together. So great question on that one. Thank you. Now, next question. What is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Walking with purpose and living a life of happiness, honestly, is living out the daily creed. So, I mean, that, that's that's my answer to it all, because that's why I created is like what what gives me purpose for myself. And for me to have purpose and knowing what I want to do is knowing my identity and what I want to achieve and figuring out what those commitments are, being resilient, having excellence. Uh, executing the mission and then having that discipline to be able to go through it. So if someone wants to really have purpose in their life, first off, they have to understand what the identity is that they want to do or want to have and have people look at them. But they also got to know the destination where they want to go and where are those commitments that they want to push through to be able to get there. So know that destination, what you want to do, what is that purpose that you want to do? And uh, I'm glad that you brought that question up too, because the other day someone was asking me um, for more veterans uh, for PTSD as well. So like, you know, we just celebrated Veterans Day and they were asking, you know, how can how can I inspire other veterans to to not if they're suffering from PTSD to have a bigger purpose? I have PTSD myself and uh, I, I suffer from it. I do. I do struggle in a lot of different areas. I learn how to overcome it because I know my purpose. And what the same thing that I told them is like if they really want to have a better purpose or to overcome that uh, PTSD, First off, they got to know, know their environment. They got to get themselves out of the environment because a lot of Marines and, and, and anyone in the military that's, that's, that has PTSD or not even just a military personnel, any person that has PTSD overall, but a military person specifically where they fail, why suicide rate is so high is because when they come back from combat, they get out of the military, they have no structure and they're back in the same environment that they were before. So the, why do people usually go in the military? Majority of us go in the military is because we want to get out of the situation that we're in. Yes, we want to go and serve our country and do well, but we want to get out of the situation that we're in and and not want to go to college. Like, okay, if I'm not going to go to college, I'll go in the service. But the situation that they're in, they're probably around people that are making bad choices. They're probably around people that are doing the same stupid stuff that they were doing in high school or before and never really leveled up and made better in their own lives. So when they got out of the military back from combat, they get out, they have no structure, and they're back in that same environment. So for someone that wants to have better purpose – and excel and get better. First off, you got to change that environment of w that you're in in the first place. And you need to, the second thing is surround yourself around people that are being better, of people that you model and want to be like. So I, I know I know it sounds cliche, and everyone always says it, but I'm a firm believer that you are you are going to be infected or affected by the the top most people that you spend the most time with. So if you can focus, if you spend time with people that are being successful, that are driven, that want to have more success in life, you need to surround yourself with those type of people. If you're hanging around people that are, you know, down here complaining about everything in life, complaining about politics, complaining about every excuse or situation that can go wrong in life, 
Well, all you're going to do is fall in that same trap and complain yourself. But if you're around people that say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to allow excuses affect me to where I'm going. I'm not going to allow the, the situation out of the pandemic or, or COVID affect where I'm going at in life. But I'm, I know I have an opportunity to be able to go. I'm going to surround myself around people that are, are high-level achievers, and I'm going to continue to go for that. So put yourself in the right environment. Surround yourself around the right people so that of who you want to go, and then ask questions. Ask for help. The biggest thing where people fail is they get intimidated by, by authority people. They get intimidated people of, that are in leadership, and they don't, they, they don't feel like they can go to someone and ask them for help. So, like, for instance, if someone sees me as a leadership or a person of authority, even on social media or what I do, they may feel like they can't reach out for me help because they don't think I'm going to be able to help them. But I'll be, you'll be really shocked on how many people that you reach out to that, that's actually going to respond and want to help you. They'll give you a guiding hand. And if they don't want to help you, they're going to give you someone else. So ask questions from that leadership. And that way you can continue to level up because people just get intimidated. They're like, man, I, I, I can't ask them. They're at a whole different level than me. But if you don't ask questions, you're never going to get better. So control your environment, surround yourself around uh, high level achievers, and then ask a ton of questions from people that are doing what you want to achieve. So if you are looking to try to strive and gain more purpose, that's what you need to do to be able to gain more purpose is you, you got to know where you're going and then implement those three things right there. Amen. Very powerful. JR, thank you so much for being a guest on the Walk With Me podcast. I appreciate you. Now, where can the audience find you? Yeah, the best place to find me, honestly, is on Facebook. Facebook is my home. That is my main place where I go. And I love it because of the community that it brings. So you can uh, find me on Facebook just by my name at JR Spear. Um, or you can find me on my Facebook group, which is Fit Pro Funnels. I know on, you listed uh, a website. That website link, Fit Pro Funnels, goes to one of my funnels that you can go to. Contact information is on there. You can reach out to me. But honestly, the best place is on Facebook. Look me up personally under my name. Shoot me a private message. I promise you I don't bite, especially through the computer. So if you want to reach out, ask me a question. I guarantee you that I'll, I'll lend a, a helping hand to anyone that asks. I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out JR at fitprofunnels.com and his Facebook, JR Spear. And JR, again, thank you so much for being a guest on Walk With Me podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this opportunity. You're welcome. Have a blessed day.